Good morning. Today's scripture reader is Luke 5, 17 through 19. I say again, Luke 5, 17 through 19. If you're following along in the Pew Bible, this can be found on page 909. On one of those days, as he was teaching, Pharisees and teachers of the law were sitting there, who had come from every village of Galilee, Judea, and Jerusalem. And the power of the Lord was with him to heal. And behold, some men were bringing on a bed a man who was paralyzed. They were seeking to bring him in and lay him before Jesus. But finding no way to bring him in because of the crowd, they went up on the roof and let, him, and let down his bed through the tiles into the midst before Jesus. Good morning. So glad that you're here today, thankful that you've chosen to be here as we come together to worship. Today is our We Are the Sermon Day. I know that there are a lot of things scheduled this afternoon, and, and we want to go out and serve in those ways. I hope that you have found a way to serve in that way, and we want to pray that that will be uh, a blessing. Let's go to God in prayer. Our Heavenly Father, you are absolutely incredible. Lord, you have given us your word that we can take from it and teach others. But also, Lord, you realize that so much of our teaching comes through how we live and how we serve and how we love. Lord, help us today to uh, do whatever project has been laid out for us. That way we are able to find a way to serve that people will truly see you in us. Lord, we're thankful for these opportunities, and Lord, we pray that people will hear our actions today and throughout this week and throughout our lives. And Lord, help us each day to live in a way that points people to you. In Christ's name we pray, amen. I could ask the question, what sermon are you preaching? That's a, it's a big question. As I said, you know, God's word is a, it, it is living and it is powerful and it is sharper than any two-edged sword. God's word is so incredibly powerful. And many times when we think about preaching, we think about someone who would take God's word, look at it, spend a lot of time with it, look up what was going on contextually at that time, look up what the words mean, and, and, and say something that would help us to learn more about God and would encourage us to make changes, would encourage us to live more closely to Him. But many times the sermons people see are us. It's God's people going out and making a difference. It's how you are at work. It's how you are at school. It's how you are at home. What sermon are you preaching? We'll come back to that later. I grew up uh, spending a great deal of time at the Veterans Hospital in Memphis. My dad is a disabled veteran, and, and he spent a lot of time taking care of other disabled veterans who, who were either paraplegic or quadriplegic. He took care of three different guys that I remember that he stayed with and, and lived with them and helped take care of them. And there was one guy that he stayed with much longer than others. His name was Joe. We spent a lot of time with Joe. My brother and I did. We, my mom and dad divorced when I, when I was 15, 16 years old. And so my dad is living across uh, the county from us. And we would go try to see him and eat supper with him on Thursday nights. And many times Joe would go with us and we'd go out to a different restaurant. 
I was always amazed that many times we would uh, tell him about a new restaurant and he'd want to try it. And I remember going to places and saying, hey, we, we have a, a good friend that he is a, a paraplegic and uh, he's in, he, he, he can't even sit up anymore. He's in one of these lay down uh, uh, type transports. Is there a way that we could get him set up to be able to come eat here? And I remember the most accommodating place that we had, there was a couple, but one of them was the commissary in Germantown. People go downtown to eat ribs at the rendezvous. You ain't got to. You can stay out in Germantown. You can eat there at the commissary. It's incredible. I went in. If you've been in the commissary, the tables are close together. It's pretty crowded. And, and said, hey, this is the situation. We have this man. He's a, 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 in a lay-down wheelchair. I told him about what it is. I said, we're going to come in at this time. Do you all think you all could accommodate him? Yes. We came in, they had tables moved out of the way. They had a special section for us set up. They brought way more than we ordered. They were incredible to us. I, I just remember how, how much of a blessing that was, but also remember how tough it would have been to be Joe. Joe was hurt in a training accident back in the early 60s. While preparing to go to Vietnam, he, he, he got hurt and, and he was again paralyzed from, from here down. And, and during time with diabetes and different things taking over, he was amputated a little bit more and more and more and more and more. I think one of the things that probably made it tough for him is he came from a holiness healing religious background. Especially his mom, she told me she could heal people. And I just remember even at 16 going, your son's right in there. She was a big supporter of Benny Hinn, who, who spent his life, what, he's a, quote, faith healer. And she has spent her life following him around, has, has donated tons of money to him. And I just remember just thinking about him, and, and if he has this power, then, then why don't you take your son up on stage and let him throw that coat over him and let him rise up and walk. If, if he has that ability, if he, if he can do that, why won't he heal him? Well, he, he was, uh, my friend Joe was told he couldn't be healed because he didn't have enough faith. It's always interesting to me <laughs> that uh, he, he couldn't be healed because he did not have enough faith. And I remember doing and speaking at Joe's funeral. And... With his family there who believe and donate to faith healers, how they couldn't look across a room now in a casket and realize something doesn't add up. There's something there, you know, it, it, is, it is something because I, I will tell you that, that, that if I had a family member who was, who was disabled in any way, had any kind of sickness, and, and I was told that there was someone who could heal them, that I would, there would be nothing I don't think that could stop me from taking them to them. Can you imagine being alive during the time of Jesus and they say, hey, there's a guy over here that, that has been able to raise the dead. He's been able to help lame people to walk, blind people to see, deaf people to hear. He's able to do all those things. Can I tell you, if that were happening today, somebody else would be preaching because I'd be driving to West Tennessee to pick up my dad. 
who's now in a wheelchair and not getting around and has all kinds of health stuff, I'd be driving there to get him to take him to wherever this healer was. Not only that, I, I, I would say, hey, as a church, let's charter some buses and let's go empty out St. Jude Hospital. And let's take everybody there and let's go take them to this man named Jesus because he has the ability to heal. Let's go to Vanderbilt. Let's go take all the hospitals, just load people up. And maybe we can just go ask Jesus, hey, Jesus, would you, would you go with us? Because you can get to a point when you want somebody to be healed so bad that you would do anything for that to be the case. As I heard one person said, I'd lick a spark plug if I thought it'd help. Anything. Anything in the world to be able to heal someone that we love and care for, that is what we would do. And if that meant taking them to Jesus, that is exactly what I would want to spend my life doing. See, the Bible talks about a, a situation where this took place. And as we read scripture, don't ever forget to look for the cross. Look for Jesus as we read through these pages and look for his ability. What's going on is we're about to read a section of scripture out of the book of Luke, which was just mentioned. And you're going to see some different people in here, some different characters. You're going to see a paralyzed man. You're going to see his friends. You're going to see some crowds. You're going to see Jesus, and you're going to see some critics. Can I tell you, all of them are preaching their own sermon. Every single one of them is preaching a sermon today as we read this message. And, and I believe that if we will look at this, I, I think we can learn a lot from this that, that will be very helpful. Let's read together. Luke chapter 5, beginning verse 17. On one of these days, as he was teaching, Pharisees and the teachers of the law were sitting there who had come from every village of Galilee and Judea, from Jerusalem, and the power of the Lord was with him to heal. And behold, some men were bringing on a bed a man who was paralyzed, and they were seeking to bring him and lay him before Jesus. Can I tell you, I love that first line, in one of those days. In one of what days? You know those days that Jesus went around healing people? Just one of those days. He talked about like it was common. Isn't that beautiful? Just one of those days, Jesus is healing people. Realize the book of John says that the world could not contain books if they were written of every good thing Jesus did. So Jesus is, is healing, and there's a group of men who is taking their friend to Jesus. It says, but finding no way to bring him in because of the crowd, they went up on the roof, and they let him down with his bed. And the tiles in the midst before him, and he saw their faith, and he said, Man, your sins are forgiven you. And the scribes and the Pharisees began to question, saying, Who is this who speaks blasphemies? Who can forgive sins but God alone? When Jesus perceived their thoughts, he answered them, Why do you question in your hearts? Which is easier to say, Your sins are forgiven you, or to say, Rise and walk? But that you may know that I, the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins, he said to the man who was paralyzed, I say to you, pick up your bed and go home. And immediately he rose before them and picked up his bed, uh, which he had been lying on, and went home, glorifying God. And amazement seized them all, and they glorified God and were filled with all saying, we have seen extraordinary things here today. You just saw about five sermons. In, in, in this lesson, you, you just see several sermons here. See, one of the things I see is this, this, this uh, miracle 
It's sort of like Grover. You know, we learned about that far and near. What it's about is taking people near to Christ. It's about drawing near to Christ yourself and bringing other people near to Christ. And that's what we're going to see, that this man who was paralyzed and his friends would not be discouraged or deterred or deflected or redirected. They were going to get close to Jesus. See, our job as Christians, number one, we want to draw close to God, and, and, and secondly, we want to bring others closer to God. Everybody we meet, that should be who we are and what we're doing. We should want to draw closer to God and help them draw closer to God. Through the past three months, we have spent our fall focus talking about what? Discipleship. And as we talk about discipleship, what have we been saying? What we want to happen is we want people to be connected to Christ. We want people to draw close to him. Secondly, we want people to be connected to his church family. And third, we want people to be connected to the community. See, our, our job as Christians, as disciples, is to walk closely behind Jesus and to be there with him, learning from him and taking in, and to help others to do the same. We see that here. Here's a great promise in James 4, verse 8. If you draw near to God, he draws near to you. God doesn't run from us. God doesn't run from us. <laughs> you read the prodigal son, God does what runs to us. I talked to, to a lady the other day. He was talking about, said after services, there's a little boy in their congregation that's between two and three, and there's a couple of little girls that are four and five, and they're chasing this little boy. You've never seen that happen, right? Little toddlers. And the little boy is squealing and running, and the little girls are saying, he really likes us. We can tell. That's why he's running at top speed the other way. Jesus more than likes you. He loves you. And if we will draw near to him, he, he will draw near to us. And, and I start thinking, how is it that I do that? How do I draw closer to him and help others? Number one, I have to look and I have to see what roadblocks are keeping me from getting close to Christ. What things are coming up? What, what is coming up between Christ and I from me getting close to him and me helping bring other people to him? What, what roadblocks come up? And we see that. They were looking for a way to get into the house and set him before Jesus, and when they couldn't find a way because of the crowd. I'm sure nobody in this room has ever been going somewhere in downtown Nashville and all of a sudden show up and roads are closed and you have to figure out another way. Have to navigate all the one-way streets and get around to try to get to where you know how to get to the way you know how to get there. And you're trying to figure it out and a road is closed and there's a detour and you're trying to figure out what it is. And can you imagine that, that you have your friend and you have him lifted up in his bed and you are carrying him and, and you're like, hey, if we can just get to Jesus, then Jesus can heal our friend and then you get there and there's a mass of people. See, for them, that was the roadblock. And you would think that people would be nice enough to let them in, right? Because they're carrying this guy's paralyzed. Here's the thing. Some people were there to hear Jesus teach, but I'm going to tell you, they probably weren't the only ones that were there. I'm going to guess there's other people that want their family members or friends healed too. I don't know if you're real big on people cutting in line in front of you. 
But I'm going to guess if I'm there with my child, I want my child to be healed. I don't care how many people you're bringing up. I'm not going to want to give my spot up. There were those who were gathered there to hear. Jesus does talk about those, but you have to say, all right, what roadblocks are there from, from keeping us from getting there? What I think is incredible is that didn't stop them. This morning, what roadblocks keep you from getting closer to Christ or helping someone else get closer to Christ? Is it priority? Does God get a little bit of who you are? Does he get all of who you are and everything else go from there? Is it fear? Last week we talked about excuses that we give to, to keep from, from reaching out and trying to help someone else to come close to Christ. Is it fear? What is it that is a roadblock? Is it your own example that you look at your life and go, you know what? I'm not living really closely, so I'm, I, don't have a, I have a tough time trying to reach others. And I would go, well, you, you get closer and let him help lead you. And then you lead them. First, look at a roadblock. Secondly, get rid of whatever excuses we have. These guys came up and they saw a crowd and instead of going home, they went up on the roof and started removing ceiling tiles. I heard a guy speak one day, he said his friends must have been college kids because they don't respect anybody's stuff. They're just going to go in and, and tear up somebody's house and not think anything about it. Can you imagine coming up and seeing this crowd and instead of going, hey, we, we got to go home, saying we're going to find a way to get you here. We're going to get rid of those excuses. Say, I, I think about the excuses I could give. You can come up and say, man, the crowd is just so big. We made a really good effort to get here, but the crowd is so big, I, I don't know why we would want to go in. You know, we'll never get up there. By the time we get up there, he may be done healing anyway, and we're not even sure if he can do this. And, or maybe your condition is your excuse. Jesus doesn't have the power to do this. Now, it's one, one thing to, to allow someone to be able to hear. It's one thing to help somebody's eyesight. It's something else to help a paralyzed person walk. Maybe I'm too far gone for Jesus to help me, or maybe, hey, I, I can just keep on going the way I am. It's, it's really not that bad. I, I've got friends that care for me. I, I wish Jesus would heal me, but since we can't get there, we don't see that either. We know there's going to be critics there because I still find it interesting that when Jesus does miracles, he always talks about the Pharisees and Sadducees or Pharisees and Herodians or some different group that's there that is less than amazed with what Jesus does. If I were to talk about Mark chapter 3 this morning, Jesus healed this man with a withered hand. And, and, and what happens is after they heal him, it says the Pharisees went out with the Herodians to see how they might kill Jesus. I'm going, Really? You know, they said he committed blasphemy because he said your sins are forgiven. See, Jesus hasn't, quote, done the miracle yet in their eyes. He's taken a man's sins away, which is a pretty big deal. <laughs> but, but what happens, and he said, I could have just as easily said rise and walk, and he says rise and walk, and the guy rises and walks. He wants people to be more impressed with the, 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 the spiritual over the, the physical and the power that he has, but we could have these excuses. This is one of my favorite 
pictures. I, it's generated on the internet for the past few years. See this young man who has two prosthetic legs competing. And I have to think about what excuse do I give for not, me not coming close to Christ or me being satisfied where I am with Christ and for me not bringing other people right alongside me uh, to say, hey, I want you to follow Christ too and, and I want you to be there with, with him. We want to draw close. We have to see whatever our roadblocks are. We have to look at our excuses. And I think thirdly, something I, I see is don't hide your pain. They let him down in the middle of everyone right in front of Jesus. It's very difficult for somebody who's paralyzed to hide that they're paralyzed. Would you agree? You know, they're going to be laying, this guy's laying on a bed, four guys are carrying him, or however many guys, I don't think the Bible's specific there, but uh, his friends are carrying him on this bed. But many times we hide the things and we're fine and everything is good, we, we hide our pain. Why? Because I think the things that set us apart, the things that make us different, many times are the things that may embarrass us and, and the things that we don't want to come to the front, and so we would rather hide those and play like everything's fine. But, but this guy's friends lower him down in front of this huge crowd, realize they went from behind the crowd to above it and dropped him in in front of everybody. What an incredible thought. Lowered is probably a better word than dropped. Jesus could have healed him if they dropped him too, but that's not what had to happen, right? They, he lowered him down. They lowered him down. Can you imagine Jesus speaking and all of a sudden the roof starts coming off? I don't know what kind of roof it was. I don't know if, if all of a sudden you start seeing like straw start falling through on what is this? Are there pieces of, of brick? Is this a, a mud house? And all of a sudden you start seeing these things coming down and Jesus is speaking and you're sitting there listening and all of a sudden you're, is, is this roof coming in? Then you see the roof gone and, and, and they lower him in. This guy was vulnerable. One, he has no control if he's paralyzed over the guys lowering him down. But now everybody sees it. Everybody sees it. We could look at Bartimaeus and what happens. He calls out and, and says he's blind. We, we, we could look at the, the lepers who cried out what? Jesus have mercy on us. They let it be known what it was that was going on. And, 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 and for us to draw closer to God, we have to be people who go beyond hiding what our problem is. We've been praying for, if you haven't been praying for him, please do, a guy named Nathan Pirtle. Nathan is a, a, a good friend of mine and a, a good friend of Phillips. He's a youth minister in Benton, Kentucky, and he is uh, fighting cancer. I've talked about him some. He has three children under the age of six, and, and what he's going through is a, a whole lot. His wife posted on Facebook yesterday. It's one of the most powerful posts I've ever Read and, and she said, when most people ask me how I'm doing, I just say, fine. And in this thing, she goes, I'm not fine. And she listed the struggles. And, and she is a very private person. She is a I'm fine person. That's sort of her character. Very an incredible mom, incredible wife, somebody who's very happy to have a husband who's in ministry, who's out front doing everything, and her 
a quiet warrior doing so much at home and doing so much for others. And what was the response? People encouraged her and prayed for her. Why? Because she didn't hide her pain. I, I think that's coming closer to Christ and bringing others. It's the same, same way. And, and see, what I also see here is that they experience faith and, and get to have forgiveness. Impressed by their belief, he said, friend, I, I forgive your sins. What's incredible is there's a plural word here, their faith. So it wasn't just the faith of the man who was paralyzed. It was the faith of his friends who brought him. Jesus didn't say, hey, I'm very impressed with your faith, the guy here who, who is on the stretcher. But also the faith of the men who brought their friend to Jesus. Why? There's, there's going to be something. Uh, yes, there is a physical healing, but there is a spiritual healing. If you've ever waited for those Results to come back for you or a loved one. I remember, like I said, right, bef right before I moved here, um, getting that call back that my mom uh, uh, had a very early stages of breast cancer. That is a bad feeling. It's a sick feeling. I remember once we found out, we went right to a surgeon and we, we talked to the surgeon. And after the, the, the surgeon did her surgery, did the, the, did the double mastectomy, we sat there with the doctor, and the doctor came back in and said, what? We got it all. What an incredible feeling. To hear that, that what? This cancer has been taken away. It is gone, and, and, and that is what, what, what is there. And so remember us being excited. Can you imagine going in one time and having a test, and the doctor says, hey, you are... Filled with cancer, and the next time you go back, said, I, I don't know, can't explain this, but it's gone. That's what happened to this guy. <laughs> this paralyzed guy get, goes, and, and he knows he's paralyzed when he goes, and he ends up leaving walking, but that was the most credible thing. He, was some, he had something that would have caused him to lose his soul, and that was sin. And Jesus said, your sins have been forgiven. Why? Because you have expressed faith in coming to me. We also see... This guy's life changed. And what Jesus says, in the, take your bed and walk. <laughs> Rise and walk. And, and that is exactly what happened. You know, he was carried in and he walked out. Don't, don't miss that. He was carried in and he walked out. That's, that is what we see here, a life that is changed by Jesus. What an incredible sermon. There's a before and after and why? Why does this matter? See, every one of us, every day, preaches a sermon and how we live. We see a sermon in this lesson. We see several sermons. We, we see a sermon, the, the paralyzed man, we, we see a sermon from him on he sought healing, right? He sought Jesus. His life, people go, well, that was the guy who was taken to Jesus. He wanted to see Jesus really, really bad. I'm going to tell you, that's a great lesson for us. That we want to be people who seek Jesus. What a sermon. And also to see a life that, that reflects change, carried in and walks out. And not only walks out, walks out what rejoicing from what has been done. Marveled and in awe of God. Several sermons from this one guy. What about? The sermon from his friends. 
they took their friend to Jesus. They took their friend to Christ. What, what a great sermon for you to preach every day. What's your life spent doing? Bringing friends to Jesus. I'm bringing friends to Jesus. That's what I'm doing. I'm going to Jesus myself. I'm bringing other people to Jesus. What an incredible lesson. What about the critics? Not all sermons are good. Y'all are going, we know. I know you know, all right? I'm, I'm aware. Um, but you can learn. These critics were roadblocks. They were in the way of Jesus doing what he needed to do. You need to ask yourself, I think today, are you a stumbling block? Are you keeping someone from coming to Christ? Is your life that way? Or is your decision to be a critic instead of being someone who's an encourager doing that? We learn from the crowd. The crowd was amazed at what had been done. I think we can learn that the world is watching us and they're, they're, they're looking to see Jesus work and looking to see Jesus act and, and for us to go, wow. The way we treat God, if we treat God as, as, a, as the ultimate being whom we worship and put in front of all, what a sermon they will learn from you. In Jesus' sermon, He's the source of all forgiveness and healing. And also seeing that Jesus is somebody who sees your faith. <laughs> Jesus sees what, what is going on, and, and he is the one that we must go to. And Jesus is showing, I can forgive, I can heal. Come to me because to him, what did he do first? He took care of his sins before he took care of his physical problems. That's always Jesus' priority. Jesus knows that paralyzed people can go to heaven. <laughs> He knows that deaf people can go to heaven. He knows that blind people can go to heaven. People with leprosy can go to heaven. But people who are dead in their sins cannot. So he makes that difference and, and realize that we have an amazing God and we are told that he is able to do what? To do above, beyond what we can ever, ever ask, think, or imagine, Ephesians 3.20. We have a great God, our job. Our goal, our, 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 our life should be about drawing close to God and bringing others closer to Him. The great promise, draw near to God and He will draw near to you. One of the most powerful sermons I've ever seen involved a lady who was on a little cart. She started coming to worship at Calvert City, she, uh, and she came because a friend invited her. A friend invited her, and Miss Rita came in, and she would bring a couple of her grandkids, and it was funny because the grandkids would be on the cart with her. She just rode them around. It might as well have been a three-seater. She would come in, and she came in week after week after week, listened to lesson after lesson after lesson. And she said... She goes, I've been wanting to be baptized, but I don't know if y'all can get me in the water and get me out. She said, I've been thinking about this for a long time. Now, we had to start thinking about how do we get her up there because when we build baptistries, a lot of times we, we don't think that the first thing we usually do is raise it up so there's stairs. <laughs> so it was going to be challenging. 
And she said, I want to be baptized. And we're like, hey, we could go to the country club and there's a pool and we can lower her down in that. Or, and, and they said, well, I think if we can get a hardback chair and we can get four of us to carry her in there, we can take care of this today. And we did. She was so excited. She was so very, very excited. And, and we had to take the wheelchair up. I remember the group of ladies who helped her get changed. Remember the four guys who, who, who took the chair, and there were actually six of us in the water. Had the preacher, four of us other guys, uh, and her all in the, that baptistry. And I remember her going down and, and coming up, and, and, and since then, that lesson has just washed all over me. What an incredible sermon, because once she decided to do it, nothing could stop her. And listen, once we found out she wanted it done, nothing could stop us either. Today, do you want to be that close to Jesus? See, her sermon still rings true today and realizing that people can make excuses or they can make a way. And, and the thing is, she made a way and the people there wanted to bring her to Christ. So that is what happened today. Is there something stopping you from coming closer to Christ or from bringing others closer? I think it will start when we realize our need. What brought the paralyzed man to Jesus was he realized that he could not do anything about his situation by himself. It took someone else. It would take Jesus. We have to realize the same thing. That sermon comes from knowing our own brokenness. I, I, I love the song, Just As I Am, and I Come Broken. That I come broken to be mended. I come wounded to be healed. I come desperate to be rescued. I come empty to be filled. I, I come guilty to be pardoned by the blood of Christ the Lamb. And I'm welcome with open arms. Praise God. Just as I am. Today, are you ready to come to Him? The greatest decision you make. You can leave here today completely cleansed of all your sins. As you choose by faith to be baptized for your sins, it may be today that you want us to pray with you and for you in your walk with him so that you can come closer. If we can help you come closer to Jesus today, would you come now while we stand and while we sing?